All right, I've studied this message here just about enough to mess it up real good. Like I say, I I was uh, planning on uh, preaching on something else today, and I got in there in my office, and I read Romans chapter 1, and God gave me about three or four different messages out of this. And so I titled them The Christian Purpose. So I want to preach to you for at least a couple of services, and I won't run them together. I'll let you go home tonight, and we'll come back on on Sunday. Amen? (laughs) We will split it up like that, but I do want to uh, uh, split it up a little bit and preach you a couple of different uh, sermons on the Christian purpose. What are we here for? And we're not here just uh, just to uh, to shake one another's hand and and uh, and do su- do such things as that. I'm glad for stuff like dinner on the grounds, ain't you? I'm glad for stuff like that. I'm I'm glad just to get together and talk. I I'm glad to be in a church where you know I come in just. I was a few minutes late a while ago, but I you know you come in, you notice folks are standing around talking, and then and then uh, of course we ain't very we ain't none of us known for getting here to early but after the service is over folks stand around and talk for 10 15 20 minutes 30 minutes depending on who you're talking to but anyway you 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 don't run right out the door and try to get uh gone right after the service is over and i'm glad for stuff like that uh we have dinner on the grounds once a month and we have fellowship uh youth fellowship and family fellowship at least once a month and ladies meeting and different things like that uh but there are more to uh church than just that i I told you a couple of weeks ago i run into this lady and she said that uh, she uh, she recommended to her husband, since he was the head of the house, that she recommended to him that they change churches because they just wasn't nothing there for the youth. And but let me just say this: that the youth department is not a basis for choosing a church, and and neither is the seniors department, or neither is the family department, neither is the Sunday school department. The reason that we go to church is for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And I will guarantee you this, that the same Lord that's good for your youngins is the same Lord that's good for you. And the same preaching that'll help you will help help your young folks. Amen? I do realize you don't necessarily want to be bored to death, but that same gospel, when it's preached with the deep conviction and with truth and with the word of God that'll help your young folks just like it will help your older folks and middle-aged folks whatever the case may be but when we get together as Christians and when we leave this place and go to our own houses as Christians we have a purpose amen and let me just say this let me lead off with this uh, the Christian's purpose is not simply to congregate at the church house and then leave and be something else. If you're going to be a Christian at church, I wish you'd be a Christian at home and be a Christian at the Okefenokee restaurant and be a Christian at the mall and be a Christian at the parts store. Be a Christian wherever you're at. Amen? And it'll be a lot easier. Uh, You know, when I was a boy, I told you I had a little habit of lying. I know none of y'all did. But... uh, but but I was I was a good the, the only problem here's the problem well, I shouldn't I started to say the only problem there's several problems with lying but let me tell you one of the chief problems about lying and that's keeping your story straight yeah. <laughs> uh, what did I tell John and what did I tell Bill and uh, boy you have to you have to catch yourself and what I'm trying to say is if you ain't careful you're liable to get your wires crossed and tell. A, Mr. A, B story and tell Mr. B, A story and then you'll be all twisted up. Well, the problem with living a Christian life at church and living another life out in the world is you're liable to get them crossed up. Amen. <laughs> you might accidentally say praise the Lord instead of your buddies and they won't like you no more. And you might curse at church. You don't ever know. You don't ever know. You better what? Listen, things have got a way of slipping up on you. Amen. If you're not careful. So just be the same all the time. You say, well, what if I ain't no count? Well, just be no count when you come to church. We know it already. It wrote on your forehead. Amen. Uh, every single one of us got a little bit of hypocrite in us. 
you've heard the old story or the, or the old saying many times you know when they say uh, that I don't want to go to church down there there's too many hypocrites well one more won't hurt so just join right up with us amen well look Romans chapter 1 let me read a few verses here and I've seen this in a little bit different light today and, and I love these verses and when I first came to church here my uh, you know preachers got a habit of writing their name and signing the verse and they call that their life verse and well I've done just done like my old preacher did and he signed Psalm 8411 the Lord God is a son and shield he will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly that's what I've done but since I Lord Lord, let me pastor this church and pastor it a few years. I've changed that Psalm 8411 to Romans 111. And I think that ought to be the, the motto. <laughs> Marines like mottos, amen. That ought to be, the, that ought to be the, the guiding factor of every preacher. But here it is in Romans chapter 1 verse 11. It says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let. That little word, let, that's one of them archaic words they talk about in your King James Bible. But don't panic. I believe we can figure out what it means. Amen. He said, but was let. It means I was hindered, hindered, hindered. I was hindered. When the ball hits the net in the, in the, uh, in the tennis match, they let. What happened? They didn't. Something hindered it from getting across, didn't it? The, the net. Well, anyway, he said, "I was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome." Also, so he said back in verse number 13, oftentimes I purposed to come unto you. When I seen that little phrase, I began to look through this passage and I saw a lot of different purposes. One's found in verse number 14, I'm a debtor. And that talks about what is that debtor. That's a debtor to preach the same gospel that was preached to you. If somebody witnessed to you and showed you the way of salvation, you owe a debt to the world to show that same salvation to others. And so that was one message and I wrote this one up as well and I want to preach this one to you tonight. And the purpose of the Christian church is fellowship. Notice verse number uh, verse number 12. That is that I may be comforted together. Not just comforted period, but comforted together. You ever heard the you ever heard the expression my four and no more? Well, if you're four and no more is all you ever worried about, I guess you're going to be lonesome when you get your comfort. I mean, if it's just your four and no more, what about your neighbor? You're comfortable, but what about your neighbor? You say, well, what about this? What about your church member? As long as you're comfortable, you're probably happy. But look next to you and look to the right of you, to the left of you. What are they going through? That's why the Bible says, bear one another's burdens. So look, he says that this, uh, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and I thank you for your mercy. I pray, oh God, that you'd help me to preach this message. But more than that, I pray that you would help this uh, congregation hear the message and Lord, apply it to their hearts. And I pray you'd give them some victories in their lives. And Lord, a lot of times Christians are defeated because they have no goals. They have no, uh, they have no design in their life. They have no purpose. They have nothing that they're striving for. And so I pray, oh God, that tonight you'd give us something to strive for in our lives. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you look back up in verse number one, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Notice that phrase, separated unto not just separated from. I know you folks are Baptists. I know you've heard a message about separating from things. You ought to separate from alcohol. You ought to separate from tobacco. You ought to separate from bad movies. You ought to separate from bad television. There's all kinds of stuff we can preach about. You ought to separate from immodest dress. Now we could preach a long time about stuff that you ought to be separated from.
And I do believe in that, amen. I don't believe God changed His mind about none of that stuff over the last 5 or 10 or 15 or 200 years. He just don't change His mind. The thing about the Lord is He's consistent. Once He makes up His mind about a thing, He pretty much said on it, amen. Well, listen here. It doesn't just say, it doesn't say in, in verse 1, it didn't say separated from, did it? It says separated unto. And that's what I say. I say you've got to be, you've got to have a purpose in your life. You've got to have some goals in your life. You just can't live your life chaotically. That's why they say plan out your day and set goals. And you just wake up and wander around during the day aimlessly. You don't get nothing done. But we ought to try to get something done for God. Amen? All right. So you've got to have something that you're separated unto. Paul said, I'm not going to live this religious life anymore. Philippians chapter 3. He said, all these things that were uh, that were gained to me, I counted them loss. I counted them loss. Why? He's got a new purpose. He's got a new goal. He's got new gains and, 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 and new uh, 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 goals and jobs that he's got for his life now. So we don't just separate from things. We separate unto. If you separate from things and you don't dedicate yourself to doing something else, pretty soon you'll be back in the old rut. You'll be back in the old habit. Uh, Just say, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and quit drinking. Well, what are you going to do instead of drinking? If you don't replace it with something, you'll be back in it uh, pretty soon. And that goes for anything that you try to quit. Anything. So I'm not going to eat as much. Well, you better get busy. Amen. I, 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 I tell myself that everyone, I'm, I've got to quit eating as much. I mean, I, I've got in the habit in, uh, in my lifetime of eating two suppers. Anybody do that besides me? I mean, eat supper at supper time, then eat supper before you go to bed. <clears throat> Just to have it. Well, I try, you know, I say, well, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. You say, I'm not going to do this or eat or Y or Z. I'm not going to do this anymore. But if you don't replace it with something, you'll be right back to doing the same old things before it's over with. The Lord, He gave us an example of that. He said when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, He said He wanders through dry places. And then He says, I'll return to my house. And He said when He find, when he comes back, He finds it clean and swept and garnished. And He goes and finds seven other spirits more unclean than Himself. And the Bible says the last state of that man is worse than the first. And I guarantee you this, I've seen some people in my lifetime that said, hey, I'm not not going to do that no more preacher I'm just not going to do it no more and boy I tell you what one of the most dangerous things you can do is either to say I'm not going to do something or I am going to do something That's pretty dangerous you ought to you ought to tack on the Bible recommends you tack on the Lord willing in front of that stuff amen don't be boasting about what you're going to do or what you ain't going to do but I've heard men say I ain't never going to do that no more but and it was a it was admirable they had a good idea it was a good idea to quit the things that they said they was going to stop doing but after a while and because they didn't get busy for the Lord because they didn't start reading their Bible and studying and praying and not only that but going out and trying to meet the needs of a lost and dying world to meet the needs of their brothers and sisters in Christ before long they was back to doing what they was doing plus some that's what the Bible says the last state of that man is worse than the first so I'm going to give you as a first sermon in this series the purpose or the Christian purpose ought to be fellowship fellowship look in verse number 12 one more time that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me comforted together with you by mutual faith Mutual faith. That word mutual. I used to, when I read that verse today, I remembered the old commercials. Mutual of Omaha. They want to sell you some life insurance. Well, mutual, that didn't ever mean nothing to me. The only thing I remember about that is it's life insurance and they use a big old Indian head probably offend somebody but anyway it's a you know they want to change the Washington Redskins now because that might offend somebody if they do I'll quit watching football altogether but anyway they said they said listen they say uh, they say it's mutual and that didn't mean nothing to me before but mutual means reciprocal that means I give some and you give some I'll do a little bit and you'll do a little bit well you can't you can't go that you can't have anything mutual if it's all you you got it's you and somebody else. Uh, one preacher was, you know, preaching, and and he said that fellowship means two fellas in one ship. <laughs> Amen. Amen. A, you know, it's a little bit silly, but that's the only way you can look at it. You can't have fellowship 
Well, if you haven't fellowship by yourself, <laughs> you might want to check up. Amen. <laughs> something going on. You might need a psychologist or something, psychiatrist or something like that. Uh, bipolar. You know, I say all the time we're all crazy, and I have been caught talking to myself. Amen. But but listen, that's not real fellowship. Real fellowship's you and another brother in Christ, yeah. or maybe you and many brothers in Christ, or you and another sister in Christ, or you and many sisters in Christ. What they done last week? Really, I mean, the ladies got together for a little. Uh, ladies meeting what they've done basically was fellowship together and talk together and had a good time together had a little devotion well that's fellowship it's mutual faith both of you and me reciprocal uh, both people get a benefit in other words look in your Bible at Hebrews chapter number 10 Hebrews chapter number 10 <clears throat> Hebrews chapter number 10 and look in verse number 20 Uh, Verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. By the way, a good basis of fellowship be the blood of Jesus. Amen. But he says in verse 21, having an high priest over the house of God, let us, not let me, notice that, let us. Let us draw near with a true heart. I need a true heart. You need a true heart. Uh, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. Both of us need full assurance. If I'm up here preaching about what I'm certain about, and you're not certain I'm telling the truth, you're not going to get much benefit out of it. You're going to spend your time doubting instead of doing. Amen. Uh, A lot of Christians spend their time doubting instead of doing. I recommend you do. Amen. And then he says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. There's the separating from, sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast, let us. Notice it again in 22. Let us. Let us. Verse 23. Let us. Let us. Verse 24. And let us. You see the way it's working there? Let us do something. Not just me. A lot of times we get in trouble as a Christian by just saying it's me. Me, 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 me. If you consider yourself, you'll end up selfish. If you consider others, you'll end up liberal. You'll end, I'm not talking about Democrat liberal. I'm talking about liberal. I'm talking about being able to give. Amen. Well, he said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. I'm glad God keeps all of his promises, ain't you? And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That means one another. Provoke one another to love. And if I want to provoke you, I don't want to provoke you to anger. Anybody ever provoked you to anger? Anybody ever said something to you just to make you mad? You know it, don't you? Whether it's true or not, you just know they said that just to make you mad. Amen. I've been in church services before where I heard what the preacher was saying and it sounded like the stuff I was doing. I said, he must be talking to me. (laughs) Uh, When they get up there and they say, these preachers preach too hard. I think, hey, he's probably talking about me. Uh, He's trying to provoke me to anger, but it doesn't make me mad. Amen. I'm going to do what God called me to do. doesn't make no difference what nobody thinks about it. Amen. So you ever been provoked to anger? I'm sure you have. But the Bible says we're supposed to provoke one another unto love and to good works is some Christian that you know not doing it right <laughs> we're good at we're good at that ain't we we're good at telling each other they're not doing it right we're good at that and, and there is cause for that and there is a time and a place for that but uh, John Adams he went one time that's your second president of the United States amen John Adams he said one time he said about Thomas Paine anybody know who Thomas Paine is Thomas Paine wrote common sense and common sense really pushed the American public. All the leaders were pretty much convinced independence was what was necessary. Well, Thomas Paine wrote a book called Common Sense, and that really pushed the people, the citizenship, uh, over the edge and into the into the uh, the mindset that they was ready to go to war too. Common Sense. I've read it myself. Pretty good book. Well, John Adams read it and he said he liked it. He wrote his wife about it. And said this is a good book. Sent her a copy of it. Said, you'll enjoy it. Then a couple of months later, he wrote him back, wrote his wife back again. Said, well, he said, uh, Thomas Paine, he'd done a pretty good job of tearing down, but he didn't do nothing about building up. Yeah. 
In other words, Thomas Paine wrote a book called Common Sense and it was about we don't need this and we don't need somebody telling us what to do and we don't need that, but didn't put nothing back in its place. Can you imagine if we pulled down the government today and didn't put nothing back in its place? Well, there'd be anarchy. I mean, let's say we don't like the Folkestone Police Department. Let's just tear it down. Well, you might get rid of a problem if there is a problem. And I'm not saying there's a problem. I'm just using it as an example. But if there was a problem in the Folkestone Police Department and we said, we don't like it, we'd just pull it down. We all got together and voted them out. Pour down the police department. Well, all of our problems is gone. <laughs> what about when the robber comes to your door? See, there's something that needs to be built back up in its place. That'll be better than what you had before. And that's what John Adams was saying. He's all about tearing down this English government. But he didn't give us no ideas about what to put back in its place. And so what I'm telling you tonight is it's easy. It's easy to point out somebody else's faults. Because it's real easy to spot uh, spot faults, isn't it? I mean, I can look at anybody's life and find uh, problems. And the only thing that is to that is just saying, look, that's wrong. But to offer a remedy, to offer something better, that takes experience, it takes wisdom, it takes a little bit of education, amen? It takes, it takes some knowledge to, to put something back in its place. And so a lot of times people provoke one another to anger and say, I don't like this and I don't like that and I don't think it ought to be done that way. But they don't never consider, hey, I need to help this person not only get rid of the bad stuff but replace that good stuff. And that's what he said, provoke one another unto love and to good works. And so he says, it's mutual. He said, hey, you come to church tonight and you encourage me and I come to church tonight and I encourage you and and I preach to you and and you uh, maybe got a word for me and you've got something that God's done for you and you stand up and testify about that and that makes me a little bit more bold. And that that gives me a little bit more of assurance. So it's not just my faith building people's Baptist church. It's our mutual faith building people's Baptist church. Now if all you ever get sermons, you're not getting fellowship. You're just getting a one-sided conversation. All of y'all sit down and shut up and I'm going to tell y'all the way it is. Which I intend to do. <laughs> but that's not fellowship. That's just a one-sided equation. That's just a one Now, if you get involved and you become a Christian, you get yourself some goals and you come here and try to make me better and I come here and try to make you better, then we got some fellowship. Fellowship, amen. Look at Philippians chapter 1. And verse number 5. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 5. Philippians. Let's just start reading in verse 1. Philippians 1 verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints and to all the saints. All of them. Not just one of them. All of them. The saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. What's the, what's the thing behind it? For your fellowship in the gospel. Fellowship in the gospel. Fellowship in the gospel. Then look in verse number 7. He says, Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you, because I have you in my hearts, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. He says, I'm in bonds for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in persecutions for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going through hardship. But he says, When I go through hardship, it's so that you can be a partaker of the grace that I have. You can be a a part of the same grace that I have. In verse number 5, he said, I'm praying for you about your fellowship in the gospel. Now, it's real good to sit around and talk about the things that you went through in the week. I built a dog house, or I I built me a house, or I built a shelter, or I went hunting. It's good to talk about those things. You might enjoy basketball. You might enjoy football. You might enjoy some of those things. People enjoy different things. Amen? Well, some folks enjoy different things, and people get together and talk about those things. Hey, I, we, you know, we sold a blanket. I, I've been over and watched Miss Linda and, and her sisters sew blankets and stuff like that. Well, you might get together and talk about stuff and that's fellowship. 
Fellowship and basket weaving. <laughs> but listen, that's totally different from fellowship in the gospel. And when's the last time you got together with another brother or sister in Christ and said, Hey, isn't the Lord good? And he's so good that reminds me to tell you what he done for me last Monday. I mean, I prayed a prayer and it wasn't 25 minutes before God just gave me a little answer, gave me a little direction. And the Lord uh, just manifested his providence in my life and showed me which way to go. I mean, the Lord's really faithful to us, ain't he? Oh, yes he is. Well, let me tell you what happened to me on Tuesday. Speaking of what happened to you on Monday, I tell you, well, I was down on my knees praying and then I opened up the Bible and, and lo and behold, I opened up right up to the place where God showed me the answer to the question I just asked Him while I was praying. You ever talk to anybody like that? You ever had that kind of conversation? Some folks didn't answer that because you ain't been reading your Bible, but... Read it. God will answer it. I mean, God will speak to you. And then you'll be able to run to your neighbor and say, Guess what God did? Guess what God showed me? Guess what God provided for me? Boy, last week I didn't know where my rent money or my grocery money, either one was coming from. It Got down and prayed and asked God and shed a few tears. And lo and behold, somebody showed up with a sack full of groceries. Has that stuff ever happened to you? Well, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When, you, when something happens to you like that, you're supposed to run and say, hey, the Lord redeemed me from hunger. Yeah. Hey, how about, the, how about the true redemption, the redemption of your soul? Run and tell somebody, hey, God saved me. Amen. How many of you remember that when you got saved? Maybe you went to work the next day and... What do I say? What am I supposed to say? Mm. Mm. How do I put this so the fellas don't think I've lost my mind? But before long, if you really, I mean, if you really got a good dose, if you really got the real stuff, before long you just couldn't help it. You said, hey, I got saved. Mm. I got really redeemed, amen? Well, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about fellowship in the gospel. Hey, I'm talking about talking about spiritual things and good things. Boy, I went to church last week and the singing was so good and the preaching was so good. Amen. 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 Well, listen, I mean, if you enjoy your church, if you enjoy your Christian brothers and sisters, if you enjoy your Bible reading, if you enjoy these things, then you're going to talk about it. Amen. And I, I guess the opposite is true. If you never talk about it, you ain't enjoying it. If you, if you watch a movie you like, you enjoy it, right? You talk to somebody and say, guess what I saw? Isn't that right? Amen. Of course, you don't let nobody fellowship with you while you're watching that movie. <laughs> Sit down and watch a movie, turn that thing on. Shut up! <laughs> Ain't that right? <laughs> Boy, you don't, want to, you don't want no fellowship while the movie's on. Well, you just let them come to church, though. <laughs> Why ain't folks as picky about their church service as they are their television show? I look out over the congregation from time to time, and boy, I have been into some, this pretty good church about that kind of stuff right here. But, but listen, I've been to churches where I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I, man, what is this strange distraction? And turn around and the preacher's talking and the music guys are talking and, and, and look around. Everybody in the congregation carrying on their own conversation. And not one person got their television attitude with them. I'm still waiting for somebody to turn around and go, Simon Church. I'm trying not to miss. Mm. How did I get on that? That just come down from the heavens, didn't it? Come down from the heavens. Well, we are talking about this and we're talking about fellowship in the gospel. Get together and talk about what God's done for you. Amen? Uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities, listen, for you to go through stuff. The Bible talks about the defense of the gospel. We read that a little bit. And I didn't really want to talk about that too much, but fellowship in the gospel, when it's talking about the gospel, it's talking about, uh, it's talking about the, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that means deliverance for you and I. That's what, that, listen, that ought to be the thing that drives us and inspires us. Listen, you don't necessarily have to be inspired to talk about the gospel. The gospel ought to be inspiration enough. Amen. <laughs> 
Say, fella, what's wrong with you? I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Jesus died for my sins and I can't hardly stand it. That that ain't right. (laughs) And you go to churches nowadays and say, well, don't preach on no sin. You've got to encourage one another. They're not going to heaven. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Somebody must not be dealing with the Spirit then. Is that right or is that wrong? Oh, preacher, your logic's messed up. No, your logic's messed up. You got worldly logic, and I'm talking about biblical logic. Did the Bible say the peace of God passed understanding? Is that right? Is it right? Well, listen. Get yourself saved and on your way to heaven. Your inspiration is going to be there. Amen. Nobody's going to catch you over in the corner crying about the fact that you're going to heaven. Amen. Amen. In other words, you ought to enjoy your salvation. And if you enjoy your salvation, just like you out there talking about all those movies you love or the basketball game that you've seen, boy, you'll be in somebody's face and you won't be talking about Michael Jordan. You'll be talking about Jesus Christ. Did you see what he done? Ain't that right? They used to talk about, you know, Jordan. Dunk a basketball. Oh! His airness. And the boy was from North Carolina. He could play ball. <laughs> All us North Carolina boys can play basketball. But I'm still waiting for, for somebody to say, Hey, did you see what Jesus done? His highness. That's inspiration enough, ain't it? That's inspiration enough. I suggest you get some of that inspiration. You'll talk fellowshipping with them more. Amen? First Peter chapter 1. Let's look over there. Y'all ain't done, are you? First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Look with me in verse 6. I'm in Second Peter. I better not read that. That's a different message. Get me started on that. We'll be here for two more hours. First Peter chapter one, verse number, verse number four. Oh, man, I, there really ain't no good starting place except for verse one. We will start in verse three. Let's look in verse three and try to get to verse six. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's something good to talk about. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to His abundant mercy, that's something to fellowship about. Hath begotten us again, second birth, that's something good to talk about, unto a lively, lively hope. Is that not what I just said? Lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. You could uh, fellowship about your future, going to heaven. To an uh, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. That word reserved is the same as predestinated. You're predestinated and the thing that you're predestinated to is reserved. It's double predestination. It's reserved, it's preserved and reserved and predestinated on both ends. Both on this end and that end. Heaven ain't going nowhere. Amen. Amen. That's called for rejoicing. Now he says, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That's pretty good right there. He said you greatly rejoice though now for a season. Remember about that joy unspeakable? How can you how can you have joy while you're going through manifold temptations? You see that word manifold? Every one of you, if you got a car, how many of you got a car? Well, if you got a car, you got a perfect example of, of a manifold. Manifold is what it means, but manifold. You got a V8 engine, you got these things that are stuck on the side of your engine, and listen, you got eight cylinders in that sucker, and every one of them they got to exhaust out the back side, or else you're going to smother to death or something, get pulled over and get a ticket or something. So that what that manifold does is it connects all eight of them cylinders 
that are not connected. But he says, listen, he says here these are manifold temptations. In other words, you've got one here and here and here and here and here. And on one hand you're tempted to quit. And on one hand you're tempted to do something else. On one hand you're tempted to just go on vacation and forget about it. On one hand you're tempted to go back to the old life because this old flesh is still here. Manifold temptations. But at the same time you're going through all that junk. Anybody going through junk? (laughs) Same time you're going through all that junk, he said, you rejoice still. You say, what is that? Joy unspeakable. <laughs> it's joy unspeakable. It's a, it's, a, it's a peace that passeth all understanding. Now he says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now look in verse uh, James. Turn back to the book of James. Chapter 1, I want to give you a couple of verses right in a row here. You're going through manifold temptations, right? Now look at James chapter 1. Verse number 2. My brethren, that's (laughs) y'all. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So, well, what do I need patience for? (laughs) Just skip the... Just skip the trials and I won't need the patience. Ain't that what you need the patience for so you can get through the trials? Every one of us would say yes, but don't you think maybe you need some of that patience so you can tell somebody else that the trials ain't that bad? Maybe you need the patience, not necessarily for yourself, but you might need to go through that and be strong enough to make it through and rejoice in your tribulations because one of these days you're going to have to fellowship with the brethren whether you like it or not. And one of those brethren is going to come and say, hey, I've been through this. And you'll say, hey, I've been through it too. God's just as faithful as He always been. Amen. So He said, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now look in Philippians one more time. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 29. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 29. Well, verse number 26. Man, it's just hard to figure out where to start. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. For me, by my coming to you again, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind. That's a bunch of people in one mind. So the fellowship becoming one body, you see. It's growing stronger. So he says, uh, it's, uh, stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. You ought, to be, you ought to be able to stand with God and pray to God and trust in God and say, I ain't afraid. Amen. I ain't scared of you. How many times did you... Fellas, as a teenager, tell some other boy, some of you ladies. <laughs> y- y'all might have been scrappers too, amen? amen. Well, somebody said something to you in school, you said, I ain't afraid of you. I said that a couple of times and I was. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell them that though. Amen. I ain't afraid of you. Well, that's what you, listen, he said nothing uh, terrified by your adversaries. When you go through these hardships in life, he said, don't be terrified. James said, don't be terrified. He said, count it all joy. God's fixing to show me something else. God's fixing to bring me through something else. Not, I'm about to go through something else. God is about to bring me through something else. Amen. Amen. So he said, nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition. You're having a hard time because you're of the devil. That's what the world will say. You're going through all this because you're not living right. Yeah, that's right. It's an evident token of perdition. But to you of salvation. To them it's evident you ain't no count. To you it's evident God's working in your life. So when they pull out all the labels, oh, he's just a bigot. Oh, he's just one of them closed-minded Christians. You, they think you're just full of the devil. But on the other hand, you can say, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm going to count it all joy. 
when I do this suffering. And he says, why? Verse 29, look, he says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. If you use the name of Jesus and somebody gives you a hard time about it, that's God's purpose for you. Amen? He says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. You say, well, that's just talking about me by myself. Look at verse 30. Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. He says to these Philippians here, Paul says to these Philippians, he said, you're going to go through some troubles and trials for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, but don't worry about it. I'm going through the same things. And not only that, but they took the Lord Jesus Christ and hung Him on a cross, stuck nails through His hands and plucked out of His beard and they mocked Him. They're going to mock you. Paul said, they mock me. They're going to mock you. Jesus said that the servant is not better than his master. If they they treated the Lord that way, they're going to treat his servants that way too. They're not going to have nothing good to say. But the Lord says... Don't be terrified by your adversaries. We got a fellowship in the gospel. We got a fellowship of victory. We got a fellowship of provision. I, I got many more of these points and many more of these verses to go on, but I believe the Lord is, is, is saying right there is enough for tonight. What I'm telling you tonight is listen, we fellowship in the gospel and we get along fine. Amen. There's plenty to get along about as far as the gospel is concerned. The Lord done great victories in your life. We can fellowship about that. Uh, the Lord will provide. For us. I mean, the Lord will make provision for His people. God loveth the cheerful giver. The Bible said He'll give that cheerful giver everything that He needs to do every good work. But not only that, not only that, that's provisional upon your giving. But not only that, but He said, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Ain't that a pretty big, that's a pretty big promise if you think about it. Listen, that's what we got to be fellowshipping about. That's the kind of stuff that we have to be fellowshipping about. And I guess the whole thing I'm trying to talk to you about tonight is just unity. Hey, if I'm getting a blessing, I'm going to do my best to make sure you share in that blessing. The Bible says bear one another burdens. Listen, if I want to share with you my blessings, then sometime I'm going to see you going through hardship, I'm going to have to bear your burdens. We're talking about unity. We're talking about a unit. A unit is one. Right? Go down to the storage lot. Got to store up some of my goods. I got more junk than what than I know what to do with. Then I need me a storage unit. Well, then you say, what is unity? It's every unit on that block. Amen? Amen. Unity is all the units together. You go down there and say, I really got a lot of junk. I need all of these storage units. That's unity. Amen? Now, a Christian is a wonderful thing, a powerful thing. A glorious thing. Saved. Child of God. Son of God. But that's just a unit. It's just a unit. What good would it do you? Listen. What good would it do if you lived the rest of this life and got all the victories and got all the blessings and didn't have nobody to share it with? Nobody to be an example to. Nobody to say, hey, you can have this stuff too. The Christian life is sometimes about receiving. But he said, freely you've received, freely give. God will give something to you, and all he wants you to do is go out and say, hey, look what I got. Freely you've received, freely give. Go out and say, hey. And that's why he goes on to say in Romans chapter 1, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. I owe it. I owe it to them. I owe it to everybody else. So, the fellowship of the saints is what I'm talking about, the unity. Uh, I'm talking about enjoying like-minded company. I'm talking about the purity of common environment. You know, some people like them old smoky, dim-lit, dingy, dirty bar rooms. That's boy, can't wait till Friday night. I go get into the honky-tonk. And there ain't nothing in there but pool tables and cussing and smoke and cursing and swearing. They, they like that environment. They like that environment. In other words, they're in there with like-minded people. It represents, listen, that kind of an atmosphere represents a dangerous, unhealthy, unsure lifestyle. Well, the Christian, the Christian life is just the opposite. It's clean. It's fresh. It's healthy. It's pure. It's, a, it's an assured environment. The Bible constantly says, Romans chapter 8, all the way uh, to 1 John chapter 5. And we know, and we know, it doesn't say we think one time. 
We know. We know. It's a place of assurance. And boy, that's a listen, it's common ideas. Common attitudes. Boy, wouldn't it be something if half of us was mad and the other part was bitter and three quarters of it three fourths of us didn't like nobody and the wouldn't get nothing done, would it? Wouldn't get nothing done. It's common ideas and common attitudes. You get folks with contract hearts and trying to please the Lord, something's going to get done for God. Nothing questionable. I'm talking about purity of a common environment. Amen? Amen. Amen. Coming at well, should, should he be dressing that way? Should he? When you've got to spend your time doing that, it takes away from the blessedness. Amen? That's why when somebody comes in, they dress them modestly, I just go ahead and preach on it. Two things is going to happen. They're going to get right, which I hope. Or they'll leave and we'll have a clean environment. Because a clean environment is what we need. Why? Because if we're all clean and we're in a clean environment, well, we got fellowship then. I'd say if the courthouse requires a modest environment, I'd say the church house ought to. You try to get in the Charlton County Courthouse immodestly dressed. I can just see somebody leaving the courthouse. That judge thinks he's better than us. First time I ever walked in that courthouse, I had a t-shirt on. The judge said, you can't come in. I mean, not the judge, but the, the little bailiff that's sitting at the bottom of the stairs. You can't come up here. Is the church house better than the, than the courthouse? Amen. Amen. I, then, I, then I vote for a, a, an environment where there's nothing questionable. If it's questionable, stay home. Now, a lot of churches, I will say this. In my Christian heritage, they, they used to preach against women wearing pants. Oh, come on up. Oh. Well, I, do, I, I preach this way. Modesty. Modesty. Amen? And I don't say that I fully disagree, but what I do say to you is this. I'm not buying my pants out of the women's section. <laughs> Amen? Is that right or wrong? I used to hear folks say, yeah, all them pants is for men. Okay, go buy, buy a pair of pants out of the women's section and wear it. I don't see no I don't see that, do you? Well, if they're in the women's section and a man looks at them and won't wear them, they must be women's pants. Amen. Well, I will just tell you this, how about dressing modest? Amen. And I can't make your mind up for you, but I can make up my mind for my household and my girls and stuff like that. But you I tell you what, you pray about it and you do what God lays on your heart. Amen. And you get together with other Christians. You know, it's not real hard. Amen. We're not going to throw rocks at nobody for what they dress. Amen. We're not going to do that. But I'll tell you what, once a, once a lady or once a man or once a boy or once a girl gets in the house of God and they get around God's people and they see, well, that godly lady over there, she's dressed that way. That godly man over there, he's dressed that way. I believe I'll follow his example. Or at least go ask them why they do it. Amen? And that what, but listen, what I'm talking about, the most important thing is modesty. Amen? You say, why? Because it's nothing questionable. Nothing questionable. And the, the point that I'm trying to make is, it's real hard to fellowship with one another while you got your eyebrow raised. Should she be wearing that? Should he be dressed that way? See what I'm talking about? And it's not just about modesty. It's, listen, did you know the world has fellowship? I call it the fellowship of the fierceness. All, all these preachers got these titles now. I'm going to start making up. But have you noticed? Everybody looks mean. Everybody looks tough. See them walking down the mall. All they're doing is going to buy a new pack of underwear and they're walking down the hall. I'm on a mission. <laughs> Now, if I come to if I come to church, <laughs> I'm gonna get blessed to you. Well, you're gonna get uncomfortable, ain't you? Right. How are you gonna fellowship with somebody like that? I told you about the fellow. I told you about the fellow I seen at Harvey's the other day. He just walked right up behind me 
in the in the line trying to check out at the grocery and I turned around and looked at him, oh I didn't like it. <laughs> Something didn't gel between me and him. It wasn't nothing physical that I could see, it must have been spiritual. I just followed my instinct, amen. But listen, when you go to church, you want to be with like-minded people. You I mean, you want everybody, if you don't want an attitude of fierceness about them, you want an attitude of godliness and holiness. Amen. So you're, you're fellowshipping. You're fellowshipping that way. Ours is, a, is a, a unification or a unity of purity of common environment. The, the world's got their beer joints and their, their nightclubs and their hangouts. We've got our church. And it's clear. And it's clean. And it's holy. Whatever you wear ought to be clean and holy. Amen? Fellowship of those who have, uh, who have traveled your road and experienced the same troubles. It's nice to say, hey, I've been through that. Oh, God bless me like that too. I know exactly how you feel. It's a fellowship of those who have traveled the same roads, had the same experiences, the same troubles, the same rejection of friends. Hey, when you got right with God, you lost some friends. And if you talk to them today, they claim to love you. But they just don't want to hang out with you no more, do they? Why? Because there's a difference there. A fellowship of those that have overcome. A fellowship of those that have had the victory. A fellowship of those that could testify to God's faithful provision. And God, ultimately, God's salvation. I'm saved. I'm saved. We're saved. Listen, there's a lot of problems in this life. And no doubt there's a lot of problems with Christians. But I'll tell you this, if you can get somebody saved, you can solve all the problems. I mean, if they got troubles, they don't dress right, they don't look right, they don't smell right, they don't do the right things. If, they, if you can get them saved, you can disciple them. Like I said, it'd be easy to tear them down. It's not, it's not quite as easy sometimes to disciple them. But if you can get them saved, you can, t- you can make them. Listen, who, all this holier than thou, thou crowd. How did you get to the place you are as a Christian? How did you get to the place where you dress right and talk right and smell right and carry the right Bible? How did you get to that place? Because somebody taught you. Amen? Listen, if you can get somebody saved, if ultimately and firstly we can fellowship on the basis that we're saved, we can reason with one another. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Listen, we can reason together and explain our position and explain where we're at and we can help one another get to where we're at. Can we not? Can we not? It's a little bit harder to do it that way. Is it not? But it can be done if they're saved. If they're saved, there's a remedy. The Bible asks the question, is there a bomb in Gilead? Is there something over there in Gilead that can help them get better? There certainly is. <laughs> is there a, a remedy in People's Baptist Church? Is there a remedy in Folkestone? Is there a remedy in Charlton County? Is there a remedy in North Florida and South Georgia? Is there a remedy? There certainly is. The salvation of your soul. The salvation of your soul. Brother Nathan, you come and play something.